Hello, hello. Welcome to the Back Porch Podcast. I'm Corey Dempsey. And I'm Andrew Beam. This week, we are going to be talking about two new movies that came out this past Friday. First, we're going to be talking about the unbearable weight of massive talent. That will just be Beam and myself. Later on, I'm going to be joined by local filmmaker Lakota Ruby X to talk about The Northman. Beam, let's talk about the unbearable weight of massive talent to start with. How was your theater going experience? I mean, I went alone to the matinee showing on Saturday at 12.50 and sat in the back of the theater with, I think there were five other people in the room, which was a little upsetting. However, it was delightful. It was really nice to actually have that moment and see that particular movie alone. Because I don't know anyone else really around me other than you that went on this journey, but not like we could have gotten together for that. Yeah, I went to a 3.15 showing and... I also went solo, but there was like 25, 30 people in this AMC. It's pretty packed. A lot of I mean, Nick Cage fans, a lot of laughter in that in that theater. I mean, people were laughing definitely in, in the showing that I went to, but yeah, it was just it was just much fewer people. Yeah. I got I got a little excited when I was in like a packed theater at 315. That that got me excited about this movie's prospects but it didn't do a huge amount of business over the weekend as i just checked what were its numbers like 9.2 million i think okay maybe it was 7.2 what is what is what is good now like now that we're now that people are going back to theaters like what is a good average number i have honestly no fucking clue anymore like this post-pandemic world i feel like if, if it's even that which it probably isn't um it's so it's so bizarre to try and figure it all out like even the batman which was a big big fucking deal it only made like 150 million and i feel like that's disappointing by those kinds of movie standards i thought they said that was like a success though i think relative to what can be expected we're giving everyone a handicap now yeah i think everyone has a little bit of a handicap All right, before we get into this movie proper, we got to have a beer. What do you got, Beam? So I'm drinking from a lovely brewery in Saratoga Springs called Whitman Brewing. Time is money, a hell's lager, um, because I'm pretty sure one of the themes that that runs throughout this film is Nick Cage is going to be paid for his time. And also a lot of references to how how many paycheck movies he got. (laughs) Yeah, that too. So... Let's give it a whirl. All right, so Beam, let's dig into this movie. How'd you feel about it? I really enjoyed it. I think during, I think during almost like the third act of it, though, which they make sure to like let everyone know that that's where they're in or what the next one is going to be. <laughs> and which, which I, I mean, one, the one thing I really liked about it is kind of that particular aspect though, how incredibly layers of meta there were to this, like so many layers, <laughs> which, which I actually really enjoyed about it, which I think is kind of what we expected from them, from this, from this type of movie. Um, not going to get into like sort of exactly why that is the case, but clearly it's, it's a movie, it's a movie where Nick Cage plays himself and you know, it's not, it wasn't in any way and we didn't expect it to be anything like JCVD, but 
it was kind of almost the only way Nick Cage could play himself in a movie. Yeah, I agree with you. I also, I love this movie for the first hour and 15 or so. And then it kind of falls off a cliff at the end. I don't know if that's intentional and part of the joke of the movie because they clearly state, like, all right, here's some context. Like, Nick Cage gets hired to attend a person's birthday party. A huge Nick Cage fan. Really, it's just a guise for the for this person who hires him to pitch a script to Nick Cage. And that they want to, they end up trying to write a movie together. And that's kind of where this movie is and that's the layers of meta that we're talking about there's a joke in it about how once they introduce this kind of action plot line it takes the movie out of it and then it takes the movie out of it in the actual movie so i wanted to ask you that like is that part of the joke (laughs) or or what what is happening i don't know well don't they make a reference to it like that's just that's how they had to end the movie yeah. Even though they kept saying, like, no, this is going to be a really smart take. You know, it's going to be for adults. It's a character-driven drama. Yeah. I think I think it was the point. And I kind of think that you – because, like, we – I think with a movie like this, you couldn't make it something like JCVD, which I thought was done in a clever way where it still, like, utilized what his strengths are in terms of acting. But with this, like, obviously he has – his range is – fast in terms of like his acting ability and i think they wanted to probably just touch on all of that and a big part of that is his action star you know capabilities yeah for sure i just felt like it kind of shifted i don't know but that's a difficult thing to like talk about i don't know if it like shifted the tone or like and took me out of it or if that was just part of the joke it, it took I, me out of it it, it took will... me out of it too like Either way, whether it was part of the joke or not, like the last, you know, 40 minutes or so of the movie didn't really work as well. That's not to say I'm, I'm not recommending it. I would recommend it to anyone who's a fan of Dick Cage. And the first hour had me in stitches. Like I was laughing fucking hysterically during a number of scenes. Oh, no, it like it, it was it was very funny. And it's just really funny how they were able to get Nicolas Cage to take himself so seriously which he does in real life but he has the ability to like he's very self-aware of what other people think of him and what this mythos is which is i feel like the entire part of this movie where his character kind of buys into it sort of to a certain degree and his like desperation to prove his worth as well while trying to get roles uh was also really good the constant references like aren't you in like so many movies and it's almost like kind of a hit against them which i mean which is what we all think but then he has the great retort in the movie about how i'm an actor and i'm just trying to do my job and anyone else who does that they're praised for being a hard worker right and then there's the whole bit about you know you got to make audiences miss you blah 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 like that's a really yeah. funny bit and oh it was awesome it was, I, it was i don't even know if it was it was just him ranting it was and like that's the thing is his ability to both be himself while also knowing that like it's a joke it's it's just kind of brilliant the way he plays it and like balances that for the entire movie what i really enjoyed is that it wasn't you know the one thing that he was concerned about was it being like an snl skit and it definitely didn't play like that it was never really truly taking shots at him it was having fun 
with the rumors about him. Yeah. And just him kind of like going into it. So, and and it just kind of relates to sort of what we'll get to in terms of, you know, how, how, how we feel this may fit in as like a good movie that Nicolas Cage was in or like a full Nick Cage movie, but it allowed him to get to those moments and which is, which I, which I really enjoyed. Um, but I will agree with you though. There was one part during the action sequence where I was just like thinking, do I care? <laughs> like are do like are the stakes high enough for me to like really be feeling anxious about whether he's going to get his daughter you know and i convinced myself too because i was like you know what fuck it i'm along for the ride here and and i and i enjoyed it i enjoyed i i walked out happy yeah yeah i left that movie like that was great i enjoyed myself it's not any sort of like instant classic but it's a fun movie going experience a great way to spend a friday night and like have a popcorn and a soda it was it was quite lovely i i think i was the only one that laughed as hard as 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 i did in the theater when it happened but when he's having the conversation in the ho- well in the is it the lobby of a hotel or was it like the lobby of the hotel with like his younger self with nikki yeah and they hit the makeout scene number 1 <laughs> I don't think this is much of a spoiler. It's just a really funny part because they're just making out and Nicolas Cage fully embraces it, like starts like, you know, holding on to him, like gripping him hard. Was that in the trailer, his younger self thing? Because I didn't remember that. And I was kind of surprised when it showed up. It was like the part where like he's saying like, you're, you're Nicholas fucking <laughs> doing that like twice. That is that that happens throughout the movie, which I wasn't upset about, but that was in some of the previews yeah okay I, it, I guess i missed that part because i was like oh this is what they're doing they're using like a younger nick cage i didn't know if they like de-aged him or how they actually did it but he looked it great or whatever. His, his younger <laughs> self looked fucking great <laughs> listen nicholas cage now looks great although he runs hysterically like i just don't even understand how he's moving his body in the way that he does when he runs like he just had somehow his arms are just like sort of stiff, but still kind of like moving forward. And he's still just kind of running like this, but I guess in a fast pace to get away from things. But no, <laughs> yeah, he's so not, anyways, he's not the most agile these days. Doesn't seem it, but he, he either way, he did great. The scenes over the wall landing on the other side, great. Um, I loved actually how that ended because I know that's something they also showed in the previews and the way it actually ends. Yeah, even funnier. <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. Um, but no, so the scene where he's making out with his with him with his younger self, Nikki, and you know, is grasping onto him hard, embrace, and then just like melts into him after they're done making out, and then his younger version just going, "Yeah, Nick Cage smooches are the best." Like, <laughs> that line, Nick Cage smooches are the best. I, I almost want to get that tattooed on my body. <laughs> I think you should. You don't have any tattoos. That should be your first. (laughs) Nick Cage smooches are the best. Like, repeats it, too. Tell them Nick Cage smooches are the best. Yeah, it's an important point. The scene that made me laugh the hardest was the whole Paddington 2 bit. I love that they hype that up, too, in their social media, like, lead up to it. (laughs) You've seen it. I haven't seen it yet. This is true. It's a pretty great movie. It really is. But Does it hold up? Oh yeah, like I mean, Javi was right in his. I don't know. I don't, so his whole the whole bit is built around them talking about you know their their top three movies, and Javi lists Face Off, 
which Nick Cage gives a very humble response to. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. They share a lot of love over something about Dr. Caligiri. I can't remember the name of the movie. And then his third is Paddington 2, which Nick Cage has never seen before. I thought Paddington 2 was actually number two. Was it number three? I think it was number three. Okay. It was the one he had to settle on, like, at the end. Oh, right. Yep. Yeah. Then they share a movie watching experience. And Nick Cage's reaction at the end of that was like, it just made me laugh so fucking hard. (laughs) And it has a really sweet callback. Yeah, it does. It really does. No, I, that that part was really funny. Um, although, like, just because they were so obsessed with that. But I mean, it, it also too at the same time, it's like Nicholas Cage just just showing his appreciation for all 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 form. All film, all film. Love it. Oh yeah, for sure. And I know there's a big hive for Paddington too online. I didn't know this, so that was just kind of buying into that too. I think it was playing on that a little bit. But like, oh, I don't, I don't know what it was doing, but it was certainly playing on that a little bit. There's a, there's a Paddington two, two hive out there. That's really funny. That's <laughs> not the movie that I thought would get that sort of like cult following status, but I guess I'm, I'm kind of stoked for it. I think it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, sometimes it gets dismissed as like, oh, it's a kids movie, and then all these adults that really love it are like, oh, it's so much more than that. You gotta, you gotta watch this thing. Are you? So, but you're one of those adults. Well. Yes and no. I mean, I'm not standing for this movie online. I don't stand for anything online. But, like, also, I do have an appreciation for Paddington, too, and I think you should watch it. It's a good movie. Hey, now you're standing for something online. <laughs> does this count? Maybe it does. I don't I think, know. I think it counts if we post it, right? That counts. It's <laughs> going online. There's no other way that people are able to listen to this. It's on the Internet. It's in the cloud. Unless people are able to, like, download it and put it to tape, which please don't put in that effort. That's, that's fucking weird. So I want to talk about, real quick, before we kind of get to where this falls in the Nick Cage filmography, did you have a favorite time where they were referencing the Nick Cage of it all? Either a movie or something else? So I'm like torn between two, but I think the first one, I'll, I'll, at least I'll say the second one first, the face-off references. Like, number one, like, him saying it's his favorite, but then also the giant fucking wax statue that he has of him. With the golden guns. Task, I, I'll give you 20000 for it. <laughs> like, he's totally... Because that's a, that's a good joke, too. There's, like, layers to the meta there because there's yeah. a face-off reference and also his wild spending habits. The face-off reference, then there's, like, the part where he does the reflection in the mirror and his, like, his now older face is now on the face of, of the guy, which literally just switching faces again um, yeah. more face off <laughs> but then like the guns that uh that he's holding the golden guns uh they actually get used quite a bit yeah uh, as they the get put to on. use so, so quite impactful uh no it's the crudes 2 reference though which is my favorite <laughs> like dude that conversation conversation between tiffany haddish and uh how do you pronounce his name again baron holtz like baron holtz where like She's like saying, like, no, really, like, it's it's a good movie. Like, you haven't seen it, and she's like, it was like, I'm forty, I'm forty. What? It's like I'm forty three or something like that. Why the fuck would I have seen Creed two? <laughs> Which, like, I get, but also at the same time, like, I'm now. I I thought Creed two was great, and we had to watch it for the last podcast that we did. And I thought Tiffany Haddish. I was like, yeah, she's got a point. So like, I was on her side in that argument. Has Tiffany Haddish actually seen Creed two? I think that's actually a really important question that needs to be asked. 
I think it is a very important question. I, I bet she like read that in the script and then had to watch it. That was part of her uh, research for the role. <laughs> Not even research. You're like, I feel like just wouldn't your curiosity get the best of you just a little? Yeah, I gotta watch this movie where he's playing a caveman. Has to have to, have to do it. I mean, the again, the punch monkey scene alone. <laughs> I've already I've already said my piece. <laughs> Mine has to be the fact that this movie opens with Con Air. We just opened this movie about Nick Cage with archival footage from Con Air, one of my favorite Cage movies. And that, I was just like, I was in from moment one because I'm like, uh, this is what we're doing? Fucking yes. I, it, it, was, it, well, it wasn't even that it, it, for me. I mean, it's a bit that, but it's also, what is it, the, the, the current president's daughter? Yeah, the current McKin- president of Mallorca's daughter is a huge Nick Cage fan and is, just- is watching Con Air. Just smoking a joint, watching Con Air, like Nick Cage is a fucking genius, and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly how this movie should be opening. Of course, like, of course, this is, this is how we're going to do it. Like, you know, the fact that Nick Cage would star in a movie that opens with someone saying that he's a fucking genius, <laughs> and then to play a character who sort of like questions whether he's a little too vain in moments. So I, I thought that was. Uh, I thought that was a nice little bit. And they really landed the plane with the callback in the final action sequence. So, like, it all works and it's all worth it. It is. I agree with you. Yeah, okay. So that is that is where the quote comes from. Yeah, I, that's what I thought it was. I was like, wait, which I know I've heard that in one of his movies. I just watched a bunch of them recently, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I fucking love Con Air. Great way to start a movie. <laughs> Con Air is a great way to start a movie. Um if they'd done anything from the rock too there wasn't enough rock love i felt like yeah they did have the one <laughs> they had the one scene where it came in and it was like uh how about we cut the chit chat a hole yeah <laughs> and um well they didn't reference it directly but there's also the god in 60 seconds one where javi insists that nick cage drive the getaway car because he did all his own driving stunts they also oh, should have referenced The Rock. There's a great driving scene in The Rock. No, that's really true. Was in the Ferrari or whatever fucking car it is. Yeah, the Ferrari where he's chasing after Connery through the streets yeah. of San Francisco in one of the most batshit fucking car chase scenes ever. Oh, that car chase scene is so fucking dope. That movie is just phenomenal. I watched it the other night just in prep for this, and I was like, I, yeah, this is this is one of the good ones. No, that was a really good reference and and yeah and just like him him too just being like when he says he goes oh you know i know you did all your own stunts and gone in 60 seconds he goes you know what, yeah, you're right yeah and i did that was the motivation he needed <laughs> javi really knows how to pull on nick cage's ego a little bit to get him to do what he wants he's it he's persuasive i mean again don't want to spoil it but somehow he's well I, I, yeah i don't i don't want to say anything i feel like it'd be too give it away but he just is able to it seems to be able to uh to persuade people to give him what he needs he also just understands nick cage he, he is he is the nick cage super fan the scene the scene where he convinces him to jump off the cliff with him and he makes him like get into acting nick cage yeah solid solid scene is rod so another important question is rodrigo garcia the actor who plays javi actually a nick cage super fan or is he now because he did this movie with Nick Cage? Wait, who? I thought it was Pedro Pascal. Oh, it is Pedro pa- Pascal. I don't even know who the fuck Rodrigo Garcia is. I was like, wait, what? That's definitely an actor. Hold on. Is that someone in this movie? 
Rodrigo Garcia is not even a par- person. I was thinking about Rodrigo Santoro, but that's a very different person. You threw me off there for a second. Oh <laughs> Pedro God. Pascal. Is Pedro Pascal a Nick Cage? Could have sworn Pedro Pascal was hobby. <laughs> Who was I watching the entire movie? <laughs> is he a Nick Cage super fan? That's the question we need to answer right now. Is Pedro Pascal a, a huge Nick Fate? Or, like, is he the level of hobby? Yeah. He has to be now, right? I feel like he has to be now, and I feel like any actor has to have a lot of respect for Nick Cage. I mean, I feel like everything that I've seen of, like, them being on the red carpet for the premieres of these, he's They're almost bros. like... It kind of feels... Like, it feels like there's a connection. I hope so. I love both those guys. I thought they're... I mean, I thought... So, that's the other thing about this movie. I thought their chemistry was, was perfect. Like, I really did great. think I was watching a guy who was obsessed with Nick Cage and watching them actually become friends over relating to how great Nick Cage is. And relating over movies, which is something that we can all relate to. Like, just being bros over what movies we love. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And uh, I, I gotta believe then an element of him had to become more of a Nick Cage fan. I think it's one of those things where maybe they weren't the super fan before, but then after being done with this movie, they're they're now becoming one. Like, I became one in prep for this. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was already a pretty big... I, was, I wasn't a super fan level. I had a lot of love for Nick Cage. Now, I'm... I'm I'm going to go through his entire filmography now. <laughs> I think I have to. I think I have to complete it now. Um, it's going to be a lot. It's it's a whole lot. Because, listen, that 2017 to 2021's uh, stretch was, was a doozy. But I think we can tackle it. There's like, I think in 2011, I was going through the filmography the other day. And I think there was like nine in 2011 or something. Just absurd number. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Neil Patrick Harris was also perfect as a, as the person to be his agent in this, which I like that Neil Patrick Harris is just playing this character who, what's the word I'm looking for? He's just a smarmy asshole all the time. Yeah, he just he he anchors the movie in some way. Like he's 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 providing a bit of just sort of the outer pressure, sort of throughout the entire movie that kind of pushes it along. He's um, playing the same guy as he is in uh, Matrix Resurrections. Oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> no, I fucking love it. That's basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And it's great. I love this Neil Patrick Harris resurgence in movies. It's great when he shows up. If we want to keep going this route, I, I think he should stick to it. And I think he did it perfectly on in, in this movie as well. Agreed. So where does this fall in specifically the, 2000, the, the, the late period Nicolas Cage? We talked all about this. Our top five before was... Shit, what was it? What's number five? Dude, I don't think... I, was it... Color Out of Space? No, that was three. Okay. Fuck, what was five? One and two. So one was Pig, two was Mandy, three was Color Out of Space. Four was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, five was Willy's Wonderland. That's what we're looking for. Yeah. So Willy's Wonderland, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Color Out of Space, Mandy, Pig were the top five in terms of quality. I'm sliding this in at three ahead of Color Out of Space and we're bumping Willy's Wonderland. So this isn't going to be a, a a popular opinion, probably. I would actually just bump Spider-Man and just slide this into the number four spot. Actually, and I would I would I would move color out of space down and I would move this into the number three spot. I can accept. That's fine. <laughs> He's not oh, in I... that movie so much, so like 
you know, it's fair. But Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse it, is an incredible movie. To it's be a good one, but it's like, so like the way I sort of feel about this movie, it's, you know, after, in terms of late career, it kind of feels like, kind of like what a, what a band does this, or some bands do this sometimes where you heard all these different sounds from their previous albums and they were just able to put it together in one film. And I feel like that's what he did here. He just took a whole bunch of shit that he's been doing over the past few years and just put it together in this one. And I actually agree with you because I think even him voicing Noir Spider-Man in Into the Spider-Verse, that's and him playing, referencing it too, like yeah, in the movie. It's playing with the idea of Nick Cage. So this is blowing that character out and making it the whole movie. So I think that's actually fair as far as representation goes because it's the same thing. So, oh, yeah. So, yeah, he's basically just being Spider-Man noir for, throughout this entire film. Yeah, essentially. It's just playing with the idea of Nick Cage the whole time. Instead of in a bit role, it's the whole movie is built around it. See, I feel even better about my choice now. I think I nailed it. Because <laughs> I can't put it above Mandy and Nick. As Javi said, Mandy's a masterpiece. Mandy and is a masterpiece, and so is Pig. So is Pig. I mean, Pig is just, like, probably the best movie I've seen him do. It's not better than Face Off. <laughs> Come on now. Okay. It's a better movie than Face Off, but like Face Off lives in my soul and it will never leave. I fucking love that movie. Where so Nicolas much. Cage has to play John Travolta, who's playing Nicolas Cage. There's so many layers to it. It's it's a hell of an acting job. I mean, they both they both nailed it. Like again, we talked about it, but what it did to John Travolta brought him back to the Grease days. Oh yeah. Well, Pulp, Pulp Fiction did that, and Face Off came on the wave of that. But yes, you are correct. <laughs> uh, how about in terms of Nick Cage energy? I feel like this is pretty high up there, but it's not on the level of Mandy or Color Out of Space or even Between Worlds. Because he's he has the big-time Nick Cage moments, but he's also like serious nick cage in moments too because he has to be like there has to be some grounding within his real character and like his actual self well i feel like nikki sort of provided a bit of yes for sure nikki was able to like the fact that one he had he was talking to himself yes which is something i feel like nick cage actually does he has conversations with himself i also love (laughs) i don't know why it just made me think of what does he call his acting style again nouveau shamanic (laughs) And that it got a reference in the movie too. Uh, Multiple references. Multiple references. And like he just finally just like succumbs and is just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> this is what I think it is. Dude, it's tough. What was our list though before? Between Worlds, Willy's Wonderland, Color Out of Space, Mandy, and I don't know, it's not even important. <laughs> I kind of think I would take out Between Worlds then. No. <laughs> Between Worlds is so peak Nick Cage. He's fucking reading a book about during a sex montage entitled Memories by Nick Cage. That's so fucking high level. I mean, I mean to be fair, like now that you're mentioning that, that there is that scene where he's reading the Memories by Nick Cage. Literally, as you started laughing, like, no, we can't do that. I was like, oh, wait, I know where he's going with this. And he's right. I am right. You can't you can't do it. That's like. I honestly I I have that close to number one in terms of Nick Cage energy because that's very Nick Cage. I think then I gotta feel weird and like do I bump do we bump because I kind of feel like it has to be in the list. We have to it's bump like, whatever's fifth that we can't even name. <laughs> it just oh we didn't have it all. Yeah okay. 
Willy's Wonderland mandate oh, color wait. out of space between worlds, unbearable weight of massive talent. I know what it was. What was it? It was Arsenal. I don't, did and... I let you have it in? I feel like I did. <laughs> Fine, we're fucking kicking out Arsenal. Easy decision. Fuck it, that movie. <laughs> Alright, that's really funny because like I fought kind of hard. I think I sacrificed a lot of any sort of credibility that I could have to get Arsenal into any sort of top five list that isn't top five worst movies that Nicolas Cage has started. <laughs> it's in that but, fucking list. I fucking hate that movie. It's pretty bad. But yeah, I it makes sense for it to go. <laughs> it's got to go. I put a lot of my own capital to get to get <laughs> it on there, and I'm just like, all right, sayonara. <laughs> it's, the, it's the right decision. Let's be real. But no, this is one that's like, it, this movie isn't something that I totally thought it was going to be. I, and I don't know what I was really expecting. I guess I wasn't fully expecting this, the arc that it takes and just sort of how it ended. But it's actually like a really fun ride. And it's one I think I would do. I mean, is this one you would repeat on? Do you think you would watch this one again? Oh, yeah, I definitely would. I This is a type of movie that... Is this a late night and you just throw it on? This is a late night with friends. Like... There's got to be a crowd, and it's ideally, like, something you're showing to someone who's, like, familiar with Nick Cage and is, like, kind of a fan, and you're like, but, like, not a super fan, so they didn't go see this. You know, you sit down with, like, a group of eight friends, three of whom have never seen it. You're going to have a great time. I mean, I would agree. And here's the thing, and and, and you did, you, you were self-aware enough to mention this. I don't know if we're just in the Nicolas Cage headspace. And we're just in that world right now that we're just maybe our opinion here is a little clouded it might be but i don't think so like i think anyone who's even like what person our age has never seen one of those 90s nick cage movies everyone's seen at least one of face off the rock or con air like everyone that i know has seen one of those movies probably all three and if you're f- familiar with those, like, you'll get most of it, and it'll be funny. You won't get all of it, but, like, you'll enjoy it because it is playing with this idea that everyone's at least semi-aware of, <laughs> I feel like. I think I have to go on a run of watching, like, ten Nicolas Cage movies, at least more well-known ones, and then come back to this movie, rewatch it. It may take a couple of tries for it all to stick. To get all of the references? Is that your get next goal? Yeah. It's going to be quite the journey. Apparently, I just like sending myself on these journeys. You literally come up with excuses to go on these journeys. Just that's to go a, in a weird... Is that okay? I think it I, worked. I mean, that's the foundation of this entire podcast, so <laughs> we better be okay with it. Now it feels like we're in this in the movie. Yeah. This just is became back, entirely meta. This is Back Porch Media uh, meta version. Yeah, the meta version. <laughs> No, but this is, I mean, it still was really good. Like, I, I guess I wasn't expecting, I, I knew there had to be an action movie portion to it. I just didn't know how it would look. And I just think it was all too kind of surreal that it was, that this is what the movie was, though. That they literally made a movie starring Nick Cage about Nick Cage. And it had to be that. I just didn't know how they would weave it in, but it had to be that. And you could tell from the, you could tell from the trailer. Like, you've, everyone's seen, I, I think most people have seen the trailer there's car chase scenes and there's like them running away and trying to get over a, a wall and like, you know, there, there's there, you can get the sense that this is going to be an action type of movie at some point. And there was a slapstick element to it as well, which I really appreciated. 
So yeah, all the action sequences had some knowing winky jokes in them. So it was like, yeah, it's still within the tone of the movie. Nothing ever terrible is going to happen. No, you you know that going in. No, the stakes are very low, and that is fine. Even even though, like I said, there's a part where I was just like, do I care? Is this important enough? It was. It would have been a massive choice to kill Nick Cage in the movie about Nick Cage. No, that would have been a choice. Yeah, I guess I don't want to spoil anything, but the ch- the other choice to make it even more dark is who else they could have killed off. Very true. That would imagine, imagine if it went down that way. <laughs> that would have been another capital C choice. Am I wrong to almost think, though, that this was almost kind of like, this was a movie starring Nick Cage about Nick Cage, and he just happens to get, you know, he's playing himself and happens to get himself in this situation. Maybe without ever, like, fully admitting it, do you think that was sort of Ace Ventura for Jim Carrey? I could see it. Like, he just didn't ever want to admit, like, this This is really a movie about me and what I would do in these sort of situations. And, oh, my God, look at the hijinks that I got myself into. And Honestly, I feel I like think the cable... feel to it. I think the cable guy is closer to who Jim Carrey actually is, and that is disturbing. That is actually kind of disturbing. <laughs> Maybe not. I think we're not giving him enough credit. Maybe. I feel like I've seen in interviews where I'm like, oh, you're a real sensible, sensible human being. Yeah. All right. So we're going to wrap this up. Before we go, though, Beam... I have this feeling that I want to throw out there and oh. get your thoughts on. I feel like movies are back a little bit. Do you think Do you think much like uh, Nicolas Cage's agent said, or that, I'm sorry, not his agent, but what Nicolas Cage said that other people said to him was, make them miss you. Do you think that's kind of what movie theaters did when we were in the pandemic and we couldn't go to the theater? Something that we took for granted for so long. Once we were allowed to go back, we started going back. And what also makes you think that movies are back? I've seen six movies in the theater already, and I've enjoyed every single one of them to varying degrees. Like, I went to a double feature on Friday. I went and saw Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, and then I stuck around and I went to see The Northman. Like, I can't remember a time in the last, like, six years where two movies on the same day came out, and I was like... I have to watch both of these opening night and then everything everywhere all at once is out right now and everyone should go see it It fucking rules i just saw x the new tally west movie great horror movie so much fucking fun i enjoyed the batman mostly i have you know some varying thoughts but like overall i really enjoyed the batman so it just feels like Already this year, I've gotten a bunch of theater-going experiences that have been quite delightful. I mean, I, I can't disagree. I mean, my first one, I think my first one back was Fast 9, and that was absurd. But I really enjoyed that experience, and I've enjoyed all the other experiences. I mean, hell, I went and saw Venom in theaters. Venom 2, sorry. <laughs> Venom, let there be carnage. Fucking loved it. <laughs> Still one of my favorite, favorite movies, 2021. I know not a lot of people or anyone really would agree with that, but um, maybe there's, a, there's a Venom Let There Be Carnage hive, that's for damn sure, which Paul Thomas Anderson is a part of. Oh my god. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, no, I, I mean, I, I've enjoyed all the movies I've been going to see, like Night at the Mu- what was it? Uh, Nightmare Alley, I'm sorry, I almost called it Night at the Museum. <laughs> uh, Nightmare Alley, like that, I don't think I would have enjoyed that movie as much if I had watched it at home. Um, so I think I think my want and my appreciation for going to a movie theater is back personally. 
Yeah, and I'm, I'm just really enjoying these movies that have been coming out so far. Like, I've only seen two real duds so far this year. The Texas Chainsaw remake on Netflix was fucking awful. And, oh, um, that's sad to hear. Yeah, I mean, it was always going to be, but... <laughs> And then there was another one that I didn't particularly enjoy that's not coming to the top of my head, but like five or six movies in the theater that I've really, really enjoyed. Well, all the ones that you named, like I would have, I would have loved to be able to do the double feature portion with, uh, with this film and, and Northman, like Northman, I have to see, like I saw it's seeing the, the previews for that when I was in theaters, I was fucking, I was like, yes, I need to go see this movie. I forget what movie that even was. It's not important, but the Northman was fucking dope. Like, I absolutely love the Northman. I can't wait to go see it. Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Definitely want to see that X. I'm interested. I'm back on the wagon. I think X or you Opera? missed, but you think what? everything? I think X you missed. I don't think you'll be able to catch that anywhere. No, fair enough. But it'll come out on streaming. I think I'm Shutter at some point probably. Mm. But everything, everywhere, all at once is still out there, and it is awesome. Like it might be better than both the Northman and the unbearable weight. It's really something. <laughs> Wait, in terms of movies you've seen this year, where is the unbearable weight of massive talent? I have it at fourth or fifth right now out of like, I'm kind of surprised by that, but also not at the same time. I'm happy. That's where it is. I think top tier is going to be the new top gun movie. I'm so fucking excited for the new Top Gun. I can't. Movie. Uh, dude, I was ready for it back in 2019. Like, <laughs> I've been ready for it forever. I've <laughs> been waiting for this for so long. Like, why did you have to keep this from me last year, you son of a bitch? <laughs> so upsetting. All right, so we talked about the Northman a bit, and now let's go to my conversation with Lakota Rubiak. <laughs> So I'm here with local filmmaker Lakota Ruby Eck. He joined us a couple weeks back for the Folk Horror Podcast, where we talked about Robert Eggers's The Witch. And on that podcast, we expressed our extreme excitement about his new movie, The Northman. So now Lakota is joining me to discuss that movie. Lakota, what's going on? Uh, Nothing much. Super happy to be back. Yeah, thanks for coming back on to discuss this movie with us. Before we dig into The Northman, I know you went and saw... The unbearable weight of massive talent i just talked with my podcast partner beam about that movie give us your quick like one minute review how'd you feel about it uh so going into it uh and watching the trailers i i felt that it seemed like even though the the nick cage aspect of it and stuff seemed like a lot of fun that it seemed like it was going to be an incredibly generic movie and, and in certain aspects like the, the action side of it it was but somehow just the 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 full heart running through all of it made it any bit of genericness that that movie had I didn't care about because it was just such a sweet and fun movie the the chemistry between Pedro Pascal and Nicolas Cage was it, it was just there there were so many moments where like anything sad would happen to one of them and you're like no like <laughs> I only want the best things for you guys and it was just it was it was it was funny it was it was funny and it was cool to see people who like really had a love for Nicolas Cage that they like essentially wrote a movie about him and for him and like gave him this cool platform to just have fun with and that's the thing is like while it was a Nick Cage love letter it still took shots at Nick Cage and Nick Cage participated in taking shots at himself so it was like 
it had all the aspects that you would want from something like this. Yeah. And it was, it, uh, it was a very, it, it, in certain ways it felt very safe, but it felt very well-made at the same time. Like, like you kind of knew everything that was going to happen, but that was okay. Cause you were just there to have like a fun time and enjoy yourself. And that's exactly what the movie was. Yeah. Felt the same exact way. I did feel like the second half of the movie, once it got into the more action plot line, it started to drag a little bit. Yeah. Not in a way that like took it out or took me out of it or ruined the movie for me. Like it still worked. I will say my biggest issue was I wish that at the very end, there had been a little more love for Javi. Like the, the, his, his wrap up thing was so quick. I wish that they had given him like a minute or two extra. Yeah. He was such an integral part of the story that like, this movie doesn't work if it's not working with him with him and Nick Cage. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. I, I hear that. All right. So let's leave that behind. We we did a whole half hour discussion about that, but I wanted to get your take. Let's dig into the Northman. I know we were both super excited about seeing this yeah. movie. And this might be a difficult question off the bat, but did it live up to your expectations? Um, no. I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would watching it but the i i have just because this is the way that i am i've spent an insane amount of time reading interviews with eggers uh, scars guard watching interviews with him and all this other stuff and, and like learning where they were coming from and their ultimate goal with the movie i have come to find that now it did love live up to my expectations the more time that it sat with me but like in the exact moment i was like darn like i was there was, I felt like there was something missing, but the, the more time I've sat with it, I really enjoyed it. Can you talk about that a little bit when you were watching it? Like, cause I, I did feel the same way. I've been able to kind of put my finger on what it was. I'm wondering for you, were you able to identify like what it was you felt like was missing in those moments? A big thing was it was, it just felt very strangely put together. Like, I, it, it felt like the 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 thread that they used to to bring everything together was a little bit loose, and either there was just little bits of like extra scenes missing or something. Like it was a long movie, but I, I felt like there could have been just a little bit more. For one, absolute criminal lack of. Willem Dafoe and York obviously <laughs> not not like they, they weren't like the most integral parts to the story but it was just like you've got two great actors and both parts that they were playing felt like there could have been a little bit more involved somehow and and uh but uh, I don't know like when I was watching it uh, and for me more of the it not living up to what I wanted was even less in the story side and a lot more in the technical aspects where like, I don't know who colored the movie, but parts of the movie just look kind of gross. Like, it, it's so, half of it, more than half of it, like 70, 75 to like 85% of it looks gorgeous and amazing and awesome. But there's just like certain bits where it's like, like uh, the scene in the very beginning where Ethan Hawke and uh, uh, young Amleth are doing the drugs in the weird little pit area it's so the the color correction is so dark that it almost if you there's a a term called crushing the blacks where you you turn the blacks in the frame down a lot and they turned it down so much that it kind of started to affect 
other colors in the frame. And because I'm a, such a technical minded person, because I do cinematography and stuff, it was hard for that stuff to not immediately jump out at me. So I definitely felt that. I also felt like it was intentional. Like here's this gross journey and it's like yeah. looking gross. And I also agree with you about, you know, certain storylines and certain threads feeling like they could have been fleshed out more like the Ethan Hawke thing and a little bit more diving into his character. So then the reveal, we're going to keep it spoiler free right now, but this reveal at yeah. the end, I feel like that could have been more effective if the, Much punchier. yeah, w- w- if that Ethan Hawke character had been fleshed out a little bit more. The other thing that, then the main thing for me that I, w- I don't want to say it bothered me because I really did love this movie. I, I absolutely did. But it had a bit of the Revenant effect with me where like I could feel how hard they worked and how difficult it was to make this Oh, movie. yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I sometimes that takes me out of it when I'm like, wow, he's really working hard to do this. And it's like, yeah, it sometimes you're takes like, you out of the experience when you're thinking about that the whole time. You're like, you're like 90 seconds into a long uncut shot and all of this awesome stuff is happening. But then you're like, wow, this is, this is an over 90 second uncut shot. That's like amazingly choreographed. There's an insane amount of moving parts. And now all I'm thinking about is all the moving parts that are going into it. Exactly. It's sometimes like, sometimes I don't notice it. There was a shot like that in no time to die. The most recent James Bond movie where I barely even noticed it until after it was done. And I was like, oh, damn. They didn't cut that whole time. That's crazy. This time which, I which felt one was it. that? It's the one in the uh, stairwell where James Bond is like fighting the people oh, in the stairwell. Yeah, and then it ends towards the end. And then it ends in the scene where he turns to the tunnel and does the James Bond shot where he shoots down the hallway. That yeah. one, I didn't even I didn't even notice it. This one I noticed, but with that being said, it was still fucking dope. Like that scene yeah. was unbelievable. It's the scene where they uh, invade that Slavic village and really show like the viking bloodlust thing that everyone hears about all the time and it's it's only two shots and it's like it's like a, at least a six minute scene yeah it's got to be six minutes and it starts I've, with uh, it, it starts with that scene that everybody have seen in the trailer where he catches the spear and throws it back which is one of the coolest things i've ever seen and then it just goes on a six minute shot from there and it's unreal unbelievable I, uh, I I watched like this really extensive interview specifically about that scene. And apparently uh, it was 28 takes and it was the, the take that's in the movie is the 28th take of it. Cause it took him that long to get it. And they planned it for like, they practiced it for like three weeks beforehand and all this other stuff. And that's one of those things where it's like, it's definitely distracting, but at the same time, it's, it, it's like, it's so cool that people have taken the time to actually do something this insane for a movie. And pulled it off. Like the only yeah. comparison I could think of that I was like this impressed by was the one in uh, in True Detective, like season one, where they do that crazy tracking whole shot. Episode. It's yeah. not the whole episode. It's like the last eight minutes of it through this like yeah. hectic uh, heist scene in a in a like rundown neighborhood in Houston. It's crazy. That's the only one I could think of that I was like this impressed by. There's so it's not as it is technically impressive, but it's not uh, funnily enough on the folk horror episode that we did. I, I mentioned seeing a movie called the curse that came out this year. That was a, a, a folk horror werewolf movie. Yeah. And there's a scene where there's like, it's like a four minute uncut shot, but it's just a wide static shot. 
but it's this uh this like group of english soldiers coming into a small gypsy encampment and killing everyone in the encampment and burning the entire thing down and you just see like everything happen with no it doesn't follow anybody or anything it's just you're just witnessing this this group of people just be systematically destroyed and the, while i was watching northman i could not think of that and and how when i was watching it where i was just like wow like how much planning and money and effort went into making this how many times did they shoot it they couldn't have done it that many times because they like they legitimately burn the buildings down like how many times do they build the burn build the thing back up and then burn it down like and i mean with a movie like that you got to feel like it was what probably like a four million dollar budget total yeah this was yeah. 90 million so they had time to perfect yeah. this shit yeah yeah that's wild they built, they built the whole village like it's it's yeah insane the amount of work like every every single thing in this movie was handcrafted which is so cool and like not only was it handcrafted but it was like handcrafted with the intent of it being as historically accurate as humanly possible yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to discuss that a little bit. You know, how into this kind of idea of Vikings and Norse mythology are you? Did that like matter to you or did it just end up mattering because of what the movie brought? Um, it's not like a thing I've ever dived into, but there's a lot of there's a lot of music, there's a lot of media and stuff that I, I have enjoyed and consumed that somehow relates to it. Like at least are artistically like comics and stuff. There's uh there's a band called High on Fire. That's uh like a yeah, stoner yeah. doom band. Yeah. And a lot of their imagery is, is Viking stuff and, and whatnot. And I, uh, again, through listening to interviews, a thing that I didn't know that I thought was really cool is apparently like even though it's like the the uh one of the big parts of imagery that people associate with vikings uh the helmets with horns vikings didn't wear them it was like some dude who just like came up with the idea that he thought it would look cool and started using it in art and for some reason it just took off and became integral to what people see vikings and stuff as but apparently that's not really a thing that vikings did should we uh, should we petition the Minnesota Vikings to change their logo because of that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Robert Absolutely. Eggers does not have it as historically accurate. So fuck you, Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just send Robert Eggers after anybody misrepresenting Vikings from now on. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't care about any of that stuff. I got to be perfectly honest. But the way it was done in the movie where they go on these like acid trip rituals with like witches and stuff the way it was done and the way it was filmed like i was very interested in learning more based on what i saw in this movie like it's not something i generally would care about but i was like wow this is actually kind of fascinating all the stuff about these rituals and you know the anti-christianity stuff that the kind of uh fernier like new village was like kind of a cult but not I got fascinated by all this stuff and kind of wanted to read some more about it. I definitely, it's a thing that like now after watching this, I'm so much more interested and, and like just listening to everyone involved in the movie, like go further into the lore of things and also talking specifically about the resources where they found them. Like now knowing how easy it is to find stuff like that and just read through it and stuff makes it a lot more interesting to actually go out and find. Yeah. 
no, it's definitely got me intrigued. It's not something that I would have thought I cared about. And if you had told me they spent that much time on it before, I would have been like, oh, fucking here we go. But I, yeah, I didn't yeah. I didn't feel like that at all when I was watching it, which is a testament to how good the movie was and how good it looked and filmed and it's all, all that stuff. I also, a thing I really uh, uh, enjoy in movies and a lot of people I know whenever I talk to them about certain movies that do this sort of thing they hate uh one of the big examples that I point out coincidentally we were just talking about Pedro Pascal with uh unbearable uh weight but he this movie called Prospect which is a sci-fi movie and so much of it is him like he he's they're on some planet it's been a while since I've seen it but most of the time in the movie is spent explaining like the lore of what his job is and just watching them take uh, partake in rituals and, and their jobs and all this other stuff. And whenever the Northman kind of just slows down for a minute to show people partaking in things like, like the whole acid trip thing at the beginning where they're, they're acting like wolves and stuff where it's just, it's not entirely, necessary to the story but it's always just cool to like see uh, instead of having it directly explained to you through exposition or something just witnessing little rituals and stuff that that people take part in i always enjoy that kind of thing in a movie yeah but i felt it was also kind of necessary to the story here because it establishes the connection that's between hawk and his son Yes. On a deeper level. And it may not may, may not be a level that you understand because you're like, whatever, that ritual's bullshit. But yeah. to them, it's not. So like there is this deeper connection that exists between them that maybe doesn't if you just kind of see the previous scenes. Mm-hmm. And not only between them, but to their culture itself. Yes. And like how, how they interact with their own culture and, and, and uh, what it means to them. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to transition now to talk about the ending a little bit. So if you have not seen The Northman, turn this podcast off right now because we are going to start spoiling. (laughs) So I want to go to the last few scenes where this movie kind of gets flipped on its head. Like there's a long tradition of revenge movies where there's a twist at some point where it is revealed that this revenge mission was always going to be empty. And I was waiting for that to come. And the way that it came was Nicole Kidman's character, the mother who had nothing to do for this entire movie. And you were like, why is Nicole Kidman in this movie in this role until you find out this is why. So it's revealed that she never really loved uh, his father. And she was the one who kind of okayed this. So his whole revenge mission about save his mother, avenge his father was kind of half bullshit and it's a it's a moment that rocked me emotionally i was like damn that is fucking heavy how'd you feel about that so i i knew that there was going to be some level of nicole kid i I didn't realize it was going to be like oh i okayed this happening but i figured because she had been with uh for so long that she was going to be like don't do this like this is now my life and this is important to me but I was not expecting like it was total out of left field that she was like no like he sucked I was I I wanted this to happen like I'm very glad that he's gone and I think in a certain way the fact that they didn't build it up that he sucked was a bit of a strength because then you didn't even like it, it let you be rocked like that like he he was such a 
like the way that you saw Ethan Hawke was only through his son's eyes, which is right. just a kid. Like, like so much of the movie is only through the, the son's eyes. So it, it's a very naive view of everything that's going on around him. Right. And I did think that that was effective. Ultimately, there was a little breadcrumb, I feel like that let you know, like when they were alone in the chambers talking and he kind of refused to touch her, you could tell there was a distance yeah, between them. Something. But I, I I, only kind of that only clicked when I looked back on that scene, like later in the movie. At the time, I was like, whatever, it doesn't mean anything. And then I was like, oh, shit, this was a little bit just a little sprinkle to let you know that like this happened and this is what's going on uh that scene yeah that crushed <laughs> yeah i feel bad saying this but i think the weakest part of the movie to me was ethan hawk I, I love ethan hawk but he was like the only person who didn't nail the fake accents and stuff <laughs> going on like anytime he talked i was like i know you're ethan hawk and i know that you don't speak in this accent at all <laughs> and the way that you're talking makes it very clear to me that you don't uh, it didn't bother me but also i just i ride for ethan hawk no matter what but yeah to be fair in the litany of great performances in this movie he was also kind of an afterthought for me so yes yeah he's only he's only in a little bit of it too so yeah it's like 20 minutes and he's uh yeah howdy the last scene i really want to talk about with you is the final battle which takes place inside of a fucking volcano and it looks like it takes place inside of a fucking volcano yeah first of all just from like accomplishing that i don't know how they did it and i love what i feel like i don't know how they do it but it looks like there is a extreme battle taking place inside of a volcano and that is amazing to me yeah that's actually some i didn't even think about this until just now with all of the the outside media that i've interacted with after seeing the movie i haven't run into a single thing of people talking about that it's always the slavic village fight um, so I don't even know how they managed to, to pull that off. I was, I was surprised that Skarsgård died in it. Like I was expecting, cause with everything that like leading up to everything, it seemed like it was going to have somewhat of a happy ending to a, I mean, as much as a movie like this can have, but Enough. I was, I was. <laughs> to the yeah. point where he murdered his mother, but it's a happy ending ish. No, I, I, yeah. I agree with you though. I didn't expect that. I the it's when he <laughs> when he kills when he kills his little brother, uh, when the little brother jumps on his back and starts stabbing him. I will say that's one of the few moments I was taken out of the movie because it made me think of that scene in Tropic Thunder where like Ben Stiller goes to talk to the little kid on the bridge and the little yes. he like picks the little kid up and, the <laughs> and then he throws him, him off the bridge. <laughs> he yeah. Throws him off the bridge. Yeah. Um, but uh, and it, yeah, it. I also the. Uh, the one thing that they did say about Robert Eggers didn't say about it was he was really disappointed that he couldn't show actual male nudity in the scene. Cause that was like one of the few requirements that he had at the beginning was he was like, I want you to see that they're fully naked. But the studio was like, if we're going to like bring in tons of people to see this movie, we, we can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved if that whole last fight took place in the nude. That would have been fucking dope. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, I just don't know how they did it. Cause there's no way it was like CGI. There's no way Eggers would do that. They must've doctored like some things after I, or something. Yeah. There's it, definitely, there, there is, there is CGI dotted throughout the movie. He, he has yeah. admitted to that a few times that there's, there's definitely CGI throughout it. But the only thing that I've heard mention of is he did like, it would be like extra blood if someone got stabbed and the practical effects, there wasn't enough blood. They'd like doctor a little bit of blood in or like, 
hide a mat that like an actor fell on so yeah i didn't uh, there's no way they could have constructed that scene like a cgi background no way so there was some level of like they are fighting in an inferno and i just don't Mm. know how they actually did it and it's fucking wild and then the lasting image of this movie like the final shot that it kind of lingers on for like 10 seconds is Skarsgård's character with a spear through his chest and the other guy's decapitated fucking head just like in that image with them just there and they both have been defeated and this revenge mission has essentially failed kind of not really but like the emptiness I mean, of revenge did, that you feel he, in that moment he, yeah he, he did what he wanted to do but he kind of realized that maybe it wasn't what he should have done when it was too late right like and yeah it's a it's a fucking killer last image like just that the image is what sticks in my mind more so than the actual kind of emotional hit that that was the nicole kidman scene previous but like that image of them there i was just like yeah that's fucking dope (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) they uh i also love they only do it a, a handful of times they they do it for a close-up of Bjork. They do it for a close-up of Kleis Bang. And then they do it for that shot. They I don't know exactly what lens it is, but uh, the bokeh in the background is so swirly. So it makes it so... The main thing that you focus on is their face. And it gives them this very like ethereal uh feeling to it and it's it's like such a tiny detail that i feel like heightens the the images themselves too and like lends an extra bit of emotion to them without you necessarily even realizing yeah i mean that image will stick with me for a long time and it's a movie that i'm really excited to revisit because you know i really enjoyed it this to me is like the perfect blend of like art house capital f filmmaking with like blockbuster entertainment in the same way like if i had to name my two favorite movies are probably heat and seven because they're like that you know there's all the filmmaking stuff but then it's like a really exciting fucking movie so this is on that level for me and i really did love it a lot and and not only that like i think it's uh, i always it, it does happen it's not like it's a super rare thing but it's really cool to see a, a movie that is this big where every single person involved in it just truly wants to make it and puts their all into it. Like I, I always, and, and you can feel it through every frame. And, and I just love running into media like that. Like it's such a special experience. It is. And like when something this big is this cared for and like, like you said, like everything's kind of handmade in this thing. Like they built this whole village from top scratch. to bottom. Like it's none of this CGI bullshit, like in all these MCU movies. And, you know, I like those to a degree, but there's just no comparison. And so, you know, I, I had a lot of love for this movie and it's one that I'm definitely excited to revisit. Me too. I was, I was like incredibly close to seeing it again because I work at a movie theater sometimes and I can go for free. I was like moments away from going to see it again the next day. <laughs> I, I honestly would. Um, yeah. So I have two more questions for you before we get out of here. The first is, where does this fall in the Eggers filmography for you right now? Or do you feel like it's too soon to say? I kind of feel like it's too soon to say. When I, when I first watched it, I was like, this was the weakest of his movies. But the coolest of them 
Oh, and yes. The, the more that I like sit with it and the more I listen to him talk about it and like what the goals of the movie are and realizing that it's like exactly what everyone was going for of it being like basically an art house blockbuster movie and stuff and, and, and like knowing that they pulled off exactly what they I find that like knowing the backgrounds of movies can somewhat change my personal opinion of a movie like yeah, knowing sure. that what they were going for is what they achieved so i i still i i don't know when i will come to the conclusion of where it lands for me but it's also like all of his movies are so good that i don't want to rake them you know I like know. i just want to enjoy all of them for what they are for sure but i'm also like an ocd list maker so i have to do these things yes, in my yeah. head <laughs> um, yeah i I can't decide between The Lighthouse and this right now. The Witch is the weakest for me and not from a movie making perspective. I think it's absolutely brilliant, but it is so fucking slow that sometimes I just can't deal. Uh, the Lighthouse is one of the funniest movies I've seen in the last five years. It is fucking hysterical. And then this, yeah. like I said, is like a huge, you know, big budget blockbuster with an art house sensibility, which is just directly in my wheelhouse. So The Lighthouse and uh, the Northman, I, I'm going to need another viewing on The Northman to really decide, but that's, I'm, I'm deciding between those as my favorite. It, it also, uh, The Northman also has a little bit of the, the flatulent humor to it. It does. The there's there's a couple fart, there's a couple fart jokes, but there's yeah. only like one. There's also just like, I feel like what Robert Eggers was exploring was like neoconservative podcasting, the origins of it in the late 1800s, because it's just fucking, it's just Pattinson and Defoe sharing wild takes at maximum volume. Yeah. <laughs> and there's just Very a lot drunk. of, there's a lot of parallels you could say you could uh, take. Yeah. <laughs> um, my second question that I wanted to ask you, I asked this at beam. I'm feeling like movies are back. Oh, Yes. I feel like there are like six or seven movies that have come out so far this year that I'm just like really fucking jazzed about X, the Northman, the unbearable weight, the Batman was fucking cool. I loved after Yang everywhere, everything or everything everywhere all at once is dope. I haven't like, seen I, those two yet. Which ones? Uh, after Yang and everything everywhere. I'm seeing everything everywhere later this week, but I'm going to have to wait until Yang is on streaming somewhere to see it. It's on Showtime if you have that or can get access uh, to it. Um, to but know. just like, I'm just very excited about what movies have come out so far. And it's we only have, the end of April. We have we have Men coming out next month. Alex Garland. Oh my God, uh, dude. That trailer Crimes is so Crimes of the sick. Future. Crimes of the Future. David Cronenberg in June. Like, it's shaping up to be a really good year, honestly. I, even, even last year, uh, I, I wish I had more of a, a list in front of me, but like, I, I was expecting last year to not be a great year, and there was definitely some some killer movies last year. So I, it's it's really nice to just consistently have at least one to two movies a month that are coming out where I'm just like, yes, this this is exciting. I'm super excited about Top Gun Maverick. I love Top Gun, <laughs> and I'm yeah. really excited about this. And you know, when what? does that come out? I think end of May. I think May 27th is what I saw. Memorial yeah, Day that's weekend. That's real soon. Yeah. Super jazzed about that one. Uh, there's just a lot of good stuff that seems to be on the docket that I'm excited about on multiple fronts. You got stupid blockbuster like Top Gun Maverick, and then you got Alex Garland, one of my favorite filmmakers, coming out with his new men. So mm. there's just a lot to love, and I feel like movies are just back a little bit. 
I'm, I'm very excited about this, the state of things. Agreed. All right. So we are going to get out of here. Lakota, where can everyone find you and all of the stuff that you are working on? My main uh, uh, artistic account is Tomb Pictures. It's, it's all my cinematography stuff. I post about any projects that I'm working on. And if I do printmaking stuff, you can find me on Folklore Prints. They kind of, they definitely intersect from time to time. But the number one place to find me is Tomb Pictures. Great. So you can follow him at Tomb Pictures and you can follow us at Back Porch Media on Instagram and at Porchback Media on Twitter and Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever you like to listen to people talk. Lakota, it's been an absolute pleasure. You know, go out and check Unbearable Weight and go out and check The Northman and all the rest of these great movies that are coming out this year. They're back, man. <laughs> See ya.